Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all of that, by now you should know these words, three powerful words, three words that encourage your soul. We ought to live, love, and serve. Amen. Good, good. Let's go to the scripture today. And before I even get there, we have coming on the 15th, um, uh, a series or the beginning of a series for three weeks Uh, October 15th, 22nd, and 29th, Empowering Conversations, Awakening the Conscience Today uh, with myself and Pastor Heaven, really digging deeper into current events politically, culturally, socially. Uh, We're going to do these series of conversations because in this time, as I've been saying, we can't necessarily separate our faith from our social engagement and our social practice. Our faith, as I even taught this past Tuesday and even on last week, last Sunday, our faith is not an addendum to our life. It is how we seek to live our lives in ways that are critical. And who you are as a believer, as a follower of the teachings of the carpenter, permeates every aspect of your life. And we cannot forget that. So we will begin those series of conversations on October 15th. And as always, I'll be blowing this trumpet from now until November 3rd. Vote. Vote. And vote. No, I'm not going to say vote again because then somebody will say that's voter fraud. Vote. And make sure you do that. Listen, I I thought about some words that would be applicable for this Dream Center Sunday. And, and, uh, I received, heard a very strange text for this Dream Center Sunday, um, and, I, and I hope that in some way um, it speaks to you today uh, as you watch this service and experience this word. It is found in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, the 11th chapter, Numbers 11, and I want to read verses 4 through 6, Numbers 11 four through six, and I'm going to read it from the New Revised Standard Version as well as the Message Bible. And here's how it reads in the NRSV, Numbers 11, four through six. The rabble among them had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. And then in the Message Bible, it reads this way, Numbers 11, 4 through 6, the riffraff among the people 
had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free. To say nothing of the cucumbers and melons, the leeks and onions and garlic, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you on this day, this glorious Sunday morning, a day you have gifted us and a day we cannot take for granted. God, you have been faithful. And if we're honest, though, God, there have been days when your faithfulness has blown our minds. You continue to pour in. You continue to open up. You continue to reveal. So God asks that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to your word today. Your word, oh God. For you are the instigation for the proclamation, God. You are the inspiration for these moments. You are the center of our joy, our peace. I love, we love you, God, and it's in your name we pray, and we say amen. Amen. I want to read that passage again, but I want to read it just from, uh, just from the Message Bible, Numbers 11, verses 4 through 6. The riffraff among the people had a craving. And soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free. To say nothing of the cucumbers and melons, the leeks and onions and garlic. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. Amen. I want this morning to preach from the subject just briefly. The danger of listening to the wrong people. The danger of listening to the wrong people. I'm going to come at this narrative today by going forward and then coming back and moving forward again. I hope you follow the movements of this text because this story is so rich and so full of theological and homiletical nuggets that it's hard to resist the temptation, as the old preachers would say, to preach all of it. This scene and this story is amazing. It begins with complaining. The people of Israel begin to complain to Moses. Their complaint in their eyes is legitimate. Scripture says that they go to Moses and they make it known, we have no meat, we have no cucumbers, no garlic, no leeks. In other words, they did, well, in Egypt they had a variety, an option of food, and they added this piece, and we got it for free. Think about that, if you will. That here are the people of God 
who have been delivered from bondage and now they complain in the wilderness on their journey and they reminisce in such a way that their reminiscing becomes nostalgic and their nostalgia turns into romanticizing a dysfunctional past. They were in bondage. And now in this moment, they begin to complain to Moses. In other words, that Moses maybe did not do the right thing by leading them out into this wilderness with no variety in their diet. And they begin to say, well, at least in Egypt, we had all of these great things and they were free. When I often read that line, that they got these things free. Again, it is amazing how we can romanticize dangerous past because maybe of the benefits in the midst of the brokenness. They were held captive in bondage and somehow they thought that they were being fed for free. No, there was a price to pay. And the price was their captivity. The price was their bondage. But in that moment, in the desert, hungry and upset because of the lack of options. Think about that. They were upset because of the lack of options in captivity and missed the fact that they were free and began to complain to Moses. Well, the cycle is consistent when the people complain to Moses and then Moses complains to God. I think I spoke about that a few weeks ago. They complain to Moses and Moses complains to God. It happens numerous times. But in this instance, Moses talks to God and is angry. Angry for a number of reasons. Angry because he has probably grown weary from their complaining because just the passage before this that was read today, the people complained again and, and, and God sent fire and fire started consuming the people and Moses had to serve as a buffer. And in Moses' mind, they should have learned if you complained before and God sent fire and people were consumed, killed, they didn't get the message. So Moses is upset besides Moses' self, beside his self with anger. And he goes to God and he begins to complain about the people's complaints. Look at the movement of this story. The people complain, then they complain to Moses, then Moses complains to God. And then he takes the complaining a little bit deeper. He does not only regret that God had called him to this work, but then he even regrets that he was alive to be called to this work. He really says, I wish I would just die now. Think about that. The weight of this responsibility and the words from the people of constant complaining about what they did not have in their freedom. Think about that. They were comparing what they did not have in their freedom compared to what they did have in their captivity and found a way to romanticize their captivity in such a way that it bypassed the fact that they were free. I hope I'm speaking to somebody right now because there's so many of us who will make excuses and try in some creative ways to justify why we remain captive, especially in the midst of the captivity. We find things that are, well, pleasing. So that in the midst of the things that are pleasing, in the midst of our captivity, we romanticize the captivity so that captivity doesn't feel so bad. And that was the case with these people. And when they complained to Moses this time, Moses' wrath and anger against the people was real. And Moses said, I wish I had never been called. I wish I would die. But God does something very strange. God hears Moses' complaint 
And then God says, well, let the folk know to get themselves ready, consecrate themselves, because I will give them what they want. I'm always leery when I read scriptures, especially in the New Testament, when people complain and God agrees to give them what they want in their complaint. When you read that in scriptures, it is a sign to pay attention because God is not really about to give them what they want. He's going to remind them what they're about to lose. And in that moment, God says, I'll do it, Moses. Don't worry. And Moses then turns around and says, well, hold on. Where will you get enough food, God? Can you imagine this conversation? Where will you get enough food to feed all these people? They're not enough herds. We don't have enough. And then God had to help Moses understand again who Moses was talking to. He says to Moses, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for me? Don't question how it will happen. Be ready when it happens. Oh, God, I hope somebody caught that. Don't question how it will happen because there have been moments, I'm sure, in your journey as well as in my journey when I know I've heard what God is going to do. I've heard it clearly, but the how has always haunted me. God, how will you do this? How will you open this door? How will you make the way? I know what I heard, but it's the mechanisms of arrival that can be perplexing. Isn't it amazing how we get caught up in asking the how, how you will do it, God, how this will happen, how will you make this come to pass, instead of celebrating what we've heard and acknowledging what we've heard and acknowledging what God has said. And we begin to question what we hear because we think that what we hear is wrong because somehow what we've heard seems to be impossible. And yet we still have the conversation with God. We say things like, with God, all things are possible until God tells us the thing that we think is impossible for our own capacity. And then all of a sudden, we begin to question whether or not God is accurate. How, God, will you get food enough to feed all these people? And God said, don't worry about that, Moses. There's nothing that's really too hard for me. Go to the elders and get the elders together and tell the people to consecrate themselves because I'm going to give them what they want. I'm going to give them meat. I'm going to give them so much meat that it's going to fill their bellies, fill their mouths. I'm going to give them so much meat that it's going to start coming out of their nostrils. If they really want this, I'm going to give them just what they want. So Moses did as God said. He consecrated the folk and the people set themselves apart. Think about that. Consecration really means to set yourself apart for God. They set themselves apart. And the scripture says that God sent this wind. And in this wind that God sent, all these quails began to fly in. And come down. Quails, meat, began to come into the encampment, but not in the encampment at a distance from the encampment. They said that the amount of quails was about two cubits high, surrounding the entire encampment, that each person had more than enough. I believe the scripture says something like each person got at least 10 quail. And this was the power of it. That they now got what they wanted. And if you read the text, you will see that the people got excited. They actually got excited when they saw the quail coming from a wind from God. And all of a sudden, everything they desired started falling and dropping in their laps. But they didn't see the warnings. Because here it is. You could be so desirous of a thing that you miss the warning signs in the midst of it. That you can want something so bad and believe somehow and justify the desire in your mind so bad that you miss the signs along the way that let you know this might be a problem. I know I'm not the only one who's gone through that. That you desire something so bad that you don't heed the warnings. Because you see, when you've seen enough red flags in your life, you don't necessarily question. You know that red flags become a deal breaker when you've seen enough. Enough. 
But they missed the warning signs. Here's warning signs in this scene. They ask for meat. God tells Moses, I'm going to send them quail. And then God says, I'm going to give them so much meat that will be coming out of their nostrils, coming out of their bodies, so much meat. And here's the key. If you understand how the encampment of Israel was, that in the center of the encampment was the tabernacle, the movable tabernacle, which dwelt the presence of God. And in that movable tabernacle, the camp of Israel would build around the tabernacle because they believed that God ought to be the center of the encampment. Now watch this. Here in the center of the encampment is a symbol of the presence of God. And God blesses, they thought, the people with so much meat. But watch where it goes. It goes outside the encampment, the place where they're surrounding God's presence. God now delivers them away from God. You didn't get this. He gives them what they want, but it's located in a place that they have to travel away from God's covering and God's presence and God's protection in order to get what they want. They miss that warning. You see, here's what I've learned. Whenever to be blessed, I got to disconnect my proximity to God. There's something wrong about that potential blessing. Or if I'm in a relationship with people who in order to bless me, quote unquote, they require that I lose my connection, lose what I had, lose the bond between me and God. And I know it has happened to so many people where they're so desirous of certain things, certain relationships, certain people in their lives that they're willing to forfeit what they believe and their connection in order to get what they think they need. But they end up losing the very thing that's at the center of who they are. And it said that people gathered walked outside the encampment, and they began to gather up all the quail, and so many people had so much, and in their mind, this is the God of abundance, that God gave them more than they could ever have imagined, more, enough for a feast. One person had enough for a great feast, and they began to celebrate. They came home, and when they got home, they started cooking the meat, and they started eating the meat. The story says something that is quite interesting. It said that while they were chewing the meat, people started dropping and dying. They tasted it, but got no fulfillment. Because before they could take it in, struck down dead. Right there. Can you imagine? People thought they were being blessed because they believed that God had answered their request. They didn't realize that their request and their romanticizing the past was really an offense to God, the one who had delivered, the one who had brought out. Now they were complaining because they didn't have what they had when they were held captive and somehow freedom was a problem. Go back in that story. What you'll see in the text, they got upset because they had no variety and said, all we have is the manna, the manna, the manna. Manna was like a seed. It wasn't bread from heaven, as I was told as a kid coming up. I thought it was bread when I was a child. I thought God sent literal bread from heaven to feed the people. But then when I read what the story was really saying, I understood what the problem was. Because the scripture said that when they got manna from heaven, they would take it. They would grind it into powder. They would then bake it and add oil to it. And they said it tasted like sweet cakes. That's what the scripture said. Every day, God would give them just enough manna for the day. God did not give them a surplus of manna. God gave them every day just what they needed for the day, and anything that they did not consume was left over, would just shrivel up, would be consumed by the Spirit, taken away. Think about that. I often wondered in my own mind, in that Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples, I often wonder uh, where that line came from, give us this day, our daily 
bread. I, I wonder, and I've said this years ago, I remember seeing this passage and, and teaching it, and I, and I said to myself, I wonder what would have happened if God had given them a week's worth of bread, manna, a month's worth of manna. It could be that maybe God made them dependent daily for their provision to build their connection and relationship with God. Maybe that was why God was giving them just enough for the day, because God may have known if I gave them a week's worth, they talked to me once a week. If I gave them a month's worth, they talked to me once a month, but God gave them what they needed every day. And I realized here's the problem. The problem was that the manna wasn't good. They got tired of having to make it every day, work for it every day. Can you imagine? Back up for a second. You mean former slaves are now mad when they got to work for themselves. They have to now invest in their own well-being, their own life, and they didn't want to do that. They started romanticizing and forget the fact they were now working for themselves, living for themselves, providing for themselves through God who had made provision for them, and they romanticized it. But now as they're eating that meat, can you imagine what the looks on their faces looked like where they were all eating the meat and the scripture was intent while the meat was still in their teeth? They died. And it became a warning to those who saw it. One, be careful when you think your blessing is something that takes you away from God. And second, be careful when you get to partake, but there is no fulfillment. Empty chewing. I'll get that when you get home. Well, that's the going forward part of the sermon. Now, let's go back a little bit. The people complained to Moses. Moses complained to God, and we see the end result. People die with food in their mouth. But this all started with the little line in verse 4. The rabble among them started craving and complaining. Now, you have to understand who the rabble or some texts say riffraff were. This was a reference to the people who were in Egypt as well, who when Israel left Egypt, they left with Israel. They were not part of the promise connected to Israel. Some scholars believe they were Egyptians or people of other nations who maybe have been serving and captive just like Israel. But either way, when the door of liberation opened for Israel, it opened for other people too. Pause for a second. That's why you ought not be worried, envious, or jealous when you see things happen for other people and breakthroughs for other people because you have no idea how sometimes those breakthroughs for other people are opening up doors for you and you'll miss the door that is open for you when you're busy mad at the people who the door was open for. Missing the fact that the door was open for them but it was also open for you. And you get envious and jealous not realizing that the door that was open for them may have stayed open long enough for you to walk right through as well. And there they were. They were all now leaving. So these are the rabble, the people, watch this, you got to get this, the people who left, who took advantage of the opportunity of what God was doing. Now here's a deep thing. God does not delineate, no, you can't come, only Israel. Somebody's going to get that when they get home. Only Israel. No, God does not say that. God expands the possibility of liberation and freedom for those who are connected to the people who are in bondage. Oh, you got to hear that today. 
And there's so many people, so many believers who try to limit God's work and say God can only work with this group and God can only do things for this group and God can only do things for these believers. No, and this scripture makes it clear that there were people who are not of Israel, who are not of the chosen people, who are not connected to the promise of Abraham. But when the door of freedom swung open, that door was not making distinctions on whether or not you were of a different race or a different faith or a different sexual orientation. It is us who want to make these distinctions, but God doesn't say only my people can come out. Whoever's connected to my folk can ride out on their freedom. And these people were called the rabble. There's another Hebrew word, but that's the way the translation reads it. These are the people that's referred to as rabble. This is who they're referring to, the people who are not the children of the promise, but the benefactors of the promise because they were connected to the people of the promise. And these folk who were not the children of the promise, who did not receive the word of chosenness, who were liberated with Israel, are now the very ones who caused Israel to complain against the God who had liberated them. You got to be careful who you listen to. You got to be careful who you listen to, because you can find yourself on a path connected to the words of other people that instigate anger and anxiety in you and find yourself out of line with the intent for your own life. It is dangerous when you listen to the wrong people, people whose desire for you is not for your best, people who constantly berate you for who you are, and yet you become dependent on the words of berating people who don't have your promise, who don't have your connection, who don't have your giftedness. And yet you find yourself crippled, hanging on to the words of people who look at you as a problem because they are not you. And this is the issue here. They listen to people who complain and could not embrace fully what God had done. And they cause the people of Israel to complain. Look at what happened. They cause Israel to complain. Israel complains to Moses. Moses complains to God. But before he complains to God in the conversation, he wants to die. God says, I'm going to give them what they want. He sends quail away from God's presence. They get it while they're eating meat. They die. And how did all this start? Because they listened to the wrong people. When you listen to the wrong people, it can have a dangerous domino effect in your life. You never really realize it. When you trace some of the things in your life that you've experienced or things that you missed, opportunities that you felt pass you by, when you reflect, I wonder, have you ever reflected as to who you lent your ears to? Who did you allow to occupy, uh, occupy space in your mind? Who did you allow to infiltrate your thoughts? Because sometimes what I've discovered is that there are people who are trying to infiltrate your thoughts because they may not want you to move in a direction that would distance you from them. And they use their words to pull you back and make you miss who you are. Have you ever felt that in your life. 
where you've had those moments and you said to yourself, if only I hadn't listened to that person or this person. And sometimes lending our ears to the wrong people takes us down a path that was not intended but becomes our path because we could not be vigilant about what we knew and confident in who we are as we lend the wrong people our ears. And they do this, and it creates this domino effect of dysfunction. I, I, I discovered a long time ago that one of the most expensive things you can do is pay attention to the wrong people. One of the most expensive things you can do is pay attention to the wrong people. And you'll know who those wrong people are. There'll be people in your life who'll be speaking against you, not for you, who'll be trying to deplete your life, not enhance it, who'll try to diminish you, not build you up. And sometimes we don't want to see who these people are because sometimes the people we're speaking of are very close to us and somehow we allow the close proximity of the relationship to blind us from what they may really be doing to us. And then we learn the lesson the hard way. It becomes an expensive lesson. Because we lent our ears to the wrong people. We paid attention to the wrong people. We surrounded ourselves with the wrong people. And that may need to be the measure for your life in this season. This is a season of, of introspection and retrospection. Maybe this time is a time for you to begin to evaluate the nature of the relationships you have in your life. Or maybe if not that, maybe you begin to say, my ears are precious. And I can't give my ears to anybody or just anything. Because what I take in can become a part of me. And if I take in that which is toxic, that toxicity can move through me. If I take in that which is damaging to my being, then I can live and walk in that embodiment of the damaged state. That's why you have to be careful in this season to not listen to the wrong people because the wrong people can throw you off of a path, a path that God has created for you. You see, here's what I've learned in my life, and maybe this is the message for the day. I was told a long time ago, trust your gut. Trust your instincts. Trust what you know inside of you. Because oftentimes, and we miss this, our body can pick up bad vibrations, and we can feel when something is off. The question is not whether we feel it, but do you trust it enough? Do you trust the feeling? Do you trust when you sense something is off? You've heard something and something in you knows it is off. Something in you knows it's not right, but you move for it anyway because you didn't want to walk in the courage to trust the discernment that you had. I tell people, discernment is not just for scriptures. Discernment is for life. It's how you look at life and how you measure life and how you make decisions about life. That's really what this is about today. It is learning, one, not to pay attention to people who do not care about your future. And two, trust those feelings, those instincts. When you know something is awry, something is off with the voices that you hear. I've lived long enough to know and see what it is to get hurt by people I should have never listened to. To find myself wounded by people I should have never given my ears to, damaged by people I let 
get in my head. And I found myself acting out their desires. Can you imagine when you become a spokesperson for the people who want your demise, who want to pull you away from who you are, when you begin to defend the danger, you defend the dysfunction, you make excuses for the pain inflicted, you romanticize damaging past. You have to be careful who you listen to. Because I've also learned that sometimes people who say the right thing don't always execute the right thing. Make sure that the people you surround yourself with know how to match word and deed, word and action. For example, if someone says they love you, but their treatment is not that loving, make sure the word and actions line up. You have to be able to trust yourself. Start trusting you. Because when you trust you, when you believe in you, it can be transformative if you let it and allow it to be. And sometimes that lack of trust or the desire to listen to other people and get other thoughts and other opinions and other feedback comes because sometimes we're fear, we're afraid and fearful to step out. Maybe because we've made mistakes or maybe because we've been burnt in the past and maybe because we've been hurt in the past. And so instead of trusting what we know, we start wanting second opinions on our future. But every now and again, you got to say, listen, and I know it's trite in some places, but this is still true. I got to trust that what I've heard from God and what God has set aside for me belongs to me. And I don't have to get validation. I don't have to allow the people who I know that may not have my best interests to dominate my mind. This season is the season to realign, to realign your expectations, to get yourself in a position to be ready for the elevation at the next phase of your life. Don't give your ears to people who don't love you. Don't give your ears to people who want to hurt you. Don't give your ears to people who may not care about you. Don't listen to the wrong people because it just may create a chain effect of brokenness and damage. Come on, I want you to lean in. and Let's talk to God this morning. God, we thank you. We are grateful for this reminder today 
Because the truth, oh God, maybe all of us can testify to those moments when we allowed the wrong people to occupy space in our thoughts and in our mind. We can all testify to those moments, oh God, we listened to people who did not have our best interests. We can all testify to the times we allowed damaging words and wounding words to find a resting place in our psyche because we did not trust, we did not believe, we did not want to lean into what we knew. Those times we wanted external validation and confirmation of what we already knew and then found ourselves following paths that were not created for us. God, remind us that your word is true, that your presence is real, and we ought not be fearful to lean into you by learning how to trust ourselves. God, we thank you, and God, we honor you, and God, we love you, and it is in your name we pray, and we say Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute if you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.